Reading for our text tonight from the 84th Psalm, we'll look at verses 11 and 12. That's Psalm 84, verses 11 and 12. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will the Lord withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. That seems like a pretty bold promise for you and me. The 84th Psalm is is one of 11 that's titled as being written to the sons of Korah. Now, sadly, Korah, the father, according to Numbers 16, he he led a rebellion against Moses uh, or a revolt with, the Bible says, 250 uh, chief men. They were challenging Moses, his leadership, and Aaron's priesthood. And the Bible tells us that Moses ends up calling this this group before all the people, before all the congregation, to for them to publicly burn incense. And he thought it would be, I guess, a test or a confirmation of what God's will was for the people. And the Lord actually warns Moses to tell the people to stand back. Something's going to happen. And in front of them all, the earth literally opens up and swallows up Korah, the 250. And it was a confirmation that God had already established his order. Well, Korah had three sons, Aser, Elkanah, and Abisaph, Abiasaph. You probably wouldn't know known either way, but I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. But they were probably too young to understand uh, what had happened here because they weren't part of the rebellion. They, they survived. Uh, so over time, these three sons and, and, and their offspring over many years, many dec- decades, hundreds of years, of course, they were from the tribe of Levi. They were very much involved in the ceremonial worship system in the tabernacle. In fact, they were involved in the, the chorus or the choral work the orchestra that would have uh, been a part of the temple worship. And so these 11 songs or songs, we could say, are they're very poetic. They focus on worship. They focus on the devotion to the Lord. They they focus on, and you can see in the 84th Psalm, the importance of the house of the Lord or the tabernacle in their day. They focus on a longing to be with the Lord. A longing to be where God is, where God dwelt, a longing to be in his house. Some familiar passages in the Psalms of Korah, Psalm 42, verse 1, he, the writer says, As the, the heart or the deer panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. And we feel that way when we come to God's house. Our soul is thirsty for a touch from heaven. And we thank God that his presence is promised to be here in our midst. And we are nourished by the spirit of God. Psalm 46, 
Verse 1, another of the Psalms of Korah, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, a promise you and me have looked to perhaps many times. He goes on to say, Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed. Well, isn't that interesting? They knew something about that. Though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Psalm 47.1, another song to these sons. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. You can find that on page 136 of our hymn books. But now in our text, of course, here in the 85th Psalm, we find initially this yearning or a desire to be in God's house. If we look at uh, verses 1 and 2 here of Psalms 84, he says, How amiable. Or he says, that means how loved or beloved are thy tabernacles. Speaking of God's house. O Lord of hosts, the God of heaven, the God of the hosts of heaven, the angels and the armies of heaven, and the gods, the God of the people of this world, he is Lord of all. In verse 2 he says, my soul longeth, which is a desire. Or even if you look at the original, he's greedy in a holy sense to be with the Lord. Yea, even fadeth for the courts of the Lord, my heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. I believe that if we come to God that way, where our heart and our flesh cries out for the living God, God will not disappoint. God has made us spiritual and physical beings that we need this type of refreshment, this type of nourishment in his house, this type of nourishment from being around the altars of prayer, for spending time in the prayer room, this type of nourishment from being around the people of God, this type of nourishment when we're encouraged in his word at Sunday school or the preaching of God's word word, hearing testimonies like we heard tonight that edify, that lift us up, that encourage us in the house of the Lord. Spiritually, we long for a touch from the throne of grace. In verse 4, again on this theme, he said, "Bless." he says, blessed are they that dwell in thy house, they will be still praising thee. And I've wondered recently, what percentage of our prayers should be that of praise and thanksgiving? I believe scripturally the majority of our prayers should be praise and thanksgiving. And we know we receive from the God when we praise and thank him. In verse 10, he says, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. That's quite a statement. The sentence might remind us of the Matt Redmond song, better is one day. He says, really drawing a parallel on this song, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty, for my soul longs and even faints for you. For here my heart is satisfied within your presence. I sing beneath the shadow of your wings. The wings of God. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. And I think about when we can point back to a day and a time when God did something for us. We can put, as it were, a mark on the calendar that God saved me. Better is that day than a thousand days elsewhere. Better is the day that God sanctified me than 10,000 days in any other court than the house of the Lord. And you can feel that way as well. You can point back to tonight that the Lord did something for me in his house. Continuing in in verse 10, he, he goes on to say, I had rather be a doorkeeper. And of course, we think of an usher or if you look at the original, at the gate or the threshold welcoming. In the house of my God, then to dwell in the tents, 
that is the home or tabernacle of the wickedness. And now from our text in verse 11, he says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. I think we can mean that God, we could say in a sense, he is clothed in light. In fact, many believe that Adam and Eve may have been clothed in light before the fall. But God is the source of all that is good. He created light. Light was his idea. It was created by him. And, and Revelation 21, 23 tells us, And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it. The sun won't be there. The moon will not be there. Somehow we'll be able to come before the throne of God, yet he will lighten all of the universe. And the lamb is the light thereof. So the writer says that God is a sun, but that's not just a future day. God is our light now. He does lighten our pathway now. He does show us the way by way of his word. He does lead us and guide us. Now he shows and provides the way. You know, before I was saved in high school, I used to, I used to, I felt like I needed to read God's word and it seemed easy. I'll read the Psalms. So before I'd go to bed, I'd read the Psalms and I could check it off. I read God's word. So truthfully, after I got saved, I actually avoided the Psalms. I mean, I had read through the Bible. I made a point to read through the Bible, of course, but I didn't focus on the Psalms. But you know, recently, after 22 years of being saved almost, I've made a focus of the Psalms and some of the greatest of God's word. The greatest of God's promises are scattered in these beautiful words, these words of poetry, these words of promise, these words of comfort. He says again in verse 11 that God is a shield. That means he protects us. He's our defender. It means that he puts a hedge about you and me. He's fighting battles that we don't even see. He's on our side, uh, our protector, uh, fighting against the wiles of the enemy on our behalf. In verse 11, he says, the Lord will give grace. I think of salvation or another work of grace, sanctification and glory. We look forward to a day of glory. But he goes on to say, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. It's a very bold statement. We can say it's a, it's a bold promise from God. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. No good thing. I think if we want to rightly divide this verse, we have to understand what is God's view or perspective on what is good. What is good to the Lord? Because we might have a feeling of, of, of what is good, and how does it line up to God's word? I believe as Christians, we all want to live in this verse. We want to walk uprightly. We want to do that which is right. We love the Lord. We want to serve him. If we don't rightly divide this promise, it could be easy to say, it's good, I should have it. Or it's good... I want that. It's good. I deserve it. After all, God promised it. And I see it as good, so I should have it. What's good to the world anyway today? Fame, fortune, followers, fashion, style, success, likes, status, number of views, trends, going viral. The list could go on and on. And we did this with, with youth focus not all that long ago, but I, I read some of the, the trending 
the top trending hashtags for the year in 2022. This gives the, the world's view, a cultural view of what is good. Number one was hashtag love. 1.8 billion posts or tags. Number two was hashtag insta good. The world's searching and looking for what is good. 1.1 billion posts. Number three was hashtag fashion. Number four, photo of the day. I guess a trending photo. You post a photo every day. I'm not really sure. 800 million posts. Number five, beautiful. Number eight, happy. People are looking for happiness. Number 10, cute. Number 11, hashtag follow. Number 13, hashtag follow me. 528 million posts. Number 22, hashtag selfie. And number 23, hashtag me. 420 million. Doesn't this speak volumes of where we are at today? This speaks volumes of our culture. But I believe I want to know. I believe you want to know. We want to know. The, in fact, the world wants to know. You can even see from these hashtags. The world wants to know, even if they don't know that they want to know, how the God of heaven could give us such a promise, a definite promise saying that God will withhold no good thing from them that walk uprightly. You see, God will never withhold salvation when someone comes by way of true repentance. It's a guarantee. It's a promise. It's established in heaven forever. Yes, one day the door will close. But we're living in the day of grace. And as the song, uh, psalmist said, that he will give grace and glory. We're living in that day of grace. He will not withhold salvation when we come by way of true repentance. God will never withhold a deeper walk with him to those that put their time in around the altars of prayer. And I'm not talking about just putting time in for the sake of time, but I'm talking about digging and searching and truly drawing closer to the Lord. God will never withhold the experience of entire sanctification from those that come God's way. It's a promise. The psalmist wrote it. The meaning for the original word walk, it's really quite broad in the text. It refers to how we behave, our lives, our conversation, that could be to each other, our friends, our family at work, our conversations online. Are we a person of our word? All of this is encompassed when we look at the original for that word walk. And with sanctification, we have to do our part. We have to separate ourselves from the world. We have to consecrate ourselves. We have to make those restitutions that God lays on our hearts. This is walking uprightly. According to God's word, God will never withhold his part once we have done our part. Do you need to be baptized with the Holy Ghost? If you have not been filled yet with the Holy Spirit, you do need to be baptized. You do need it. It's a promise for you. It's a promise for me. And we all need it. If we come God's way, he will fill us. It's guaranteed. It's a promise established in heaven. The mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit, power from on high for service. That's the whole point of this dispensation is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
The prophet Malachi wrote, The Lord whom ye seek, and we do seek, so suddenly come to his temple, and we are earthen vessels, we know, but God somehow, some way will fill our vessels, fill our hearts, and we will speak in an unknown language, but it's about the power. It's about God, and we want to be filled with the Lord. If we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we better check our walk. If we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we need to check our prayer life. If we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we want to check our conversation, our lives, our walk. If we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we want to check our online footprint. Because we want to live here in Psalm 84, verse 11. He says, the Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. You know, I don't believe that the Lord will withhold revival from a true a group of believers that truly want it. I don't believe he'll withhold it. Revival typically comes when individuals check their walk. When you check your walk, when I check my walk. And when we start to get things in order, and we start to find places in our hearts and our lives that aren't quite where the Lord would have us to be. And then we fix it. And we, and we spend more time in prayer. And, and we take specific and deliberate actions. We don't just talk about it, teach about it, reminisce about it. But we today, in our day and age, we take steps as believers. Pretty soon we have a group of believers taking specific actions to walk uprightly. And as we do this, a hunger begins to build. And an anticipation begins to grow. And pretty soon, because we took deliberate action, God fulfills his promise. He does not withhold one good thing. And revival comes. And I believe we want this. I believe the Lord will not withhold it from us. We can't help but wonder, like the last special said tonight, is there one lost sheep here? You've got a guarantee from heaven. You have a promise from heaven. If you're listening in and you don't know the Lord, there's a promise from the throne of the ruler of the universe that he will not withhold from you salvation. The Lord will not withhold from you sanctification. The Lord will not withhold from you the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We have to look at ourselves. What am I doing? Where do I need to grow in the Lord? I want to be more like Christ. I want to be part of a group that encourages revival. You see, when revival's not happening, we're all worried about each other. And then when revival is happening, we're worried about ourselves. Isn't that true? We're getting ourselves right. We're not worried about our neighbor. We're worried about me. What must I do in order to encourage revival? We're going to have a time of prayer tonight. We're going to have an opportunity. If you need to make something right, make it right. The Lord will make it right in your heart. If you want to be sanctified and made holy, a experience where your heart is purged, God will do it. Christ suffered without the gate. His blood was shed that you could be sanctified so that you might be ready, an earthen vessel, to be filled with power from on high to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming soon. We want to be ready. We can be ready. Each and every one of us can be ready. Come out and pray. The song is 480.